0: He's lorded over the Kremlin for more than 17 years. He's crafted an image as Russia's indispensable man. And few doubt that he will seek and win a fourth term as president in March. But Vladimir Putin turns 65 this weekend, and the growing sense in Moscow is that his next term will probably be his last. So what happens when Russia's irreplaceable man becomes the Kremlin's lame duck? Hello from our broadcast headquarters in Prague, and welcome to the Power Vertical podcast. My name is Brian Whitmore, author of the Power Vertical blog here at RFURL. Joining me here in the studio is veteran journalist and Kremlin watcher Kirill Suchotsky, executive editor for RFL's Russian language television program, Current Time. Welcome to the podcast, Kirill. Hello, Brian. Great to have you. And joining us on the Skype line from Moscow is Mikhail Fishman, political analyst and anchor for DOSH TV. Welcome to the podcast, Mikhail.
1: Hello, Brian. Hello.
0: Good to to see you again. Um, So let's go out on a limb and say Putin's probably going to win a fourth term in March. Um, When that term's over... He's going to be 71 years old. And at that point, what does he do? He could ignore the Constitution and seek a new term, which would effectively amount to declaring himself president for life. But Putin's been reluctant to do this in the past. Remember back in 2008, he didn't, even though he doesn't really have a lot of respect for other articles of the Russian Constitution, he seems to have respect for the article of the Russian Constitution that says you can only serve two consecutive terms. But he could potentially do this. He could change the, the, the Constitution. I think it's unlikely. He could try another castling move pull Medvedev out of the closet again, or somebody else for that matter, create a fake presidency, and triumphantly return to the Kremlin at the age of 77. That would be one year longer than Leonid Brezhnev lived. Um, But the growing impression in Moscow is appears to be that Putin's next term will indeed be his last. And we're starting to see signs of this in the Russian media, among Russian pundits. The St. Petersburg Politics Foundation, for example, has published rankings of potential successors. The pro-Kremlin tabloid MK, this surprised the hell out of me, has speculated about Putin's health and about whether he will even complete his next term. And the latest edition of Yevgeny, Yevgeny Menchenko's Politburo 2.0 report says the battle for succession will begin in earnest after the 2021 state Duma election. Additionally, there's also been speculation in the Russian media that Putin is increasingly becoming more of a bystander rather than an arbiter of inter-elite clan battles. In a piece in Republic Rue, the political analyst Tatyana Stanovaya wrote recently that the post-Putin era is already being born in, uh, under Putin. Um, Kandil, what's your sense? Is Putin a lame duck or am I engaging in my typical hyperbole?
2: Well, it is probably, uh, it's a yes and no. Uh, we can say that Putin is starting to look like a lame duck, but we can probably say that he is a lame duck at this moment in a, say, uh, in a way that we um, uh, talk about it when it comes um, to the U.S. presidents. Um, however, the very fact that we started to discuss succession and the Russian public and the Russian media and publics started to discuss succession, that is already a signal because there is no clear succession plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Putin is pretty much everybody. Um, and I remember when a couple of years ago, um, I think it was in 2015 in March, where Putin disappeared from public eye for about mm-hmm. 10 days, yes. that literally scared the hell out of everybody uh, because everybody understood um, what will happen if Putin uh, has to go. Uh, many believe that the crisis actually, the crisis happen much later than we think they will happen, but then when they do happen, they move much faster than we think they will
0: happen. Yeah, no, I mean you I mean to speak of a lame duck in the sense that we speak of American presidents being lame duck, of yeah. course not. Um but what I mean is that you see the end now. Before you really didn't see the end of this. You never, but now the feeling is with this. If this, if this next term is indeed going to be his last, if he's not going to tear up the constitution, if he's not going to try castling again, then the the elite is going to smell that end, even though it's sixty years down the road.
2: And they and they are already smelling that. And uh, there is a lot of talk about those Kremlin towers and uh, competing interests of different Kremlin towers and different parts of the elite, because the Putin was never has never been a czar uh, in a way, kind of a dictator like Kim Jong Un, mm-hmm. um, Putin was a chairman of the board, mm-hmm. uh, balancing different interests within the Kremlin, and now those Kremlin towers are starting um, to question themselves: Is he really an arbiter? Can we, uh, th- you know, can we get away without him? Can we solve our own issues and can we wage our own wars? And we'll talk about yeah, it we'll talk about later this as we go uh, on. Uh, but yeah, this is, a- uh, yeah, but this is um, this is interesting where. Um, uh, there are now talks about, oh, maybe Putin will step down early. Maybe he will serve only two years. Mm-hmm. There was even a talk this summer um, in in the media whether he will actually seek presidency at all. Um, and uh, and there was somebody who was leaking against it. So it's really interesting that elites start to think, okay, this is actually, we are starting um, to look at the, um, you know, um, at the dusk of Putin's right. presidency, let's and bring, what's next?
0: Let's bring Mikhail into the conversation here from Moscow. Unlike Kirill and I, you actually are in Moscow, Mikhail. What is it? How does this look to you?
1: Uh, it, actually, it looks like there is room for debate. Uh, Excellent. In our, Excellent. Uh, uh, I love discussion. debate. Yes. 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 <laughs> because, for uh, as I, as I see it from 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 here, um, well, he. The answer to your question would be more no than yes if we're talking of some kind of lame duck uh position of putin even even uh even as you are defining it not the american type of course uh of course and short answer would be uh he first he is a tsar uh at the at the moment that's the type of the regime that we are uh living under right now short answer would be that he is not leaving he doesn't intend to leave Ever, ever, uh, ever. That de- again, uh, uh, again. There are some technical, very important technical details. We can uh, uh, we can we can go uh, go into that. Um, uh, of of course, and even even if we're talking about uh, like what Yevgeny Mischenko referred to, uh, when the battle will start in uh, twenty 2020, twenty, right? Twenty twenty one. 2021. That's even that is so far away from from now that it's too early to start even talking about it. Basically, in fact, so uh, yes, of course, he's very long. Um, he's he's he, It looks like he's already forever, and he's staying for it uh, for six more six more years. But it's not. We're not in a position when we are really discussing uh, the way that he would uh, that he would leave or stay uh, because it's not it's not in the year at least here in Moscow. Let me ask you this,
0: Mikhail. What do you make of all the speculation we're seeing in the Russian media then? We have Emka, and, and let's face it, Emka is far from an opposition um, um, newspaper. It's a, it's a pretty pro-Kremlin tabloid for the masses, speculating about his health, speculating about successors. What do you make of Minchenko's claim? And Minchenko is somebody who's pretty connected um, and, and pretty plugged into the elite. Saying, he, surely
1: is. he surely is, but, but I, I, I did not argue
0: what he was saying, right? Well, you said the, the battle for succession will begin. And I guess when I say lame duck, it's, it's the sense that the elite is smelling the end. And I don't think Putin's going anywhere tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or next year or the year after that, to be quite honest. In fact, I do think he'll serve out the full six-year term.
2: Many, many people, uh, I, I, I've I, heard many people saying that Putin now, after all this that happened throughout his presidency, especially throughout his third presidency, many people say that he must die in the Kremlin. You know, that's all he understands. He's the, that he, of the Kremlin, Yeah, he must die in the Kremlin. However, do you remember that late 1990s, we were saying and other people were saying exactly the same same thing about Boris Yeltsin although he that, was
0: a lot closer to dying in the Kremlin i believe in those um in, 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 in yeah a
2: lot yeah yeah judging judging yeah but <laughs> but still but still people people were saying oh no yeltsin will never ever ever leave you know he's not the type of person who stands up and leaves um we saw how that turned out
0: yeah, um, I, I actually sat on a very interesting panel at the Riga conference last week on this. And we had this very same debate, which basically inspired me to, 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 to do this program. And two very, very prominent Russia watchers, Bobo Lowe and, and Celeste Wallander, were both making similar arguments that Putin can't leave. He can't. This is essentially this argument that he's the prisoner of the Kremlin. He can't leave um, even from what he's a lot younger than Yeltsin. I mean, Yeltsin, I could see Yeltsin leaving because Yeltsin was, let's face it, old and sick at that point. Putin's young and healthy, relatively young and healthy. Do you do you you bother that he can't because where does he go? What does he do? Um, there was,
2: I remember, there was a lot of talk in um, 2008. What is the next uh, yeah. for for Putin? Um, and there was um, this idea of oh, he can be the leader of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this. Um, I don't know um, the way as Denzel Xiaoping, Xiaoping was, uh, yeah. and uh, uh, or you know some something that maybe akin to what is happening in Kazakhstan when the mm-hmm. Sultan Nazarbayev is relinquishing some of his powers to become kind of this. Um, um, you know some. Uh, a big leader on the cloud, um, and that was again the talk in 2012. I remember I was um, I was at Reuters at that time, um, and even you know when this castling move happened, um, it was very interesting that even a month before that, all Medvedev people were briefing us that Medvedev will run. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was an understanding that Medvedev will run for the second term, and then that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, no, we
0: were all picking up, and I think we were all talking to the wrong tower in the Kremlin, I think, at that probably, time. Probably,
2: <laughs> probably. Or the decision, or the decision was changed at mm-hmm. some point um so uh, it was it was that um it, it, it's interesting there was uh, there was speculation that he may be the head of the constitutional court uh, now people say that oh maybe Medvedev could be the yeah, uh, the true. the head of the constitutional court um there is a lot of this it, it's very hard to see how how Putin can go at the same time um securing his own um uh, safety um and uh, immunity from prosecution uh, as well as for him and for his elites um who became um a lot richer
1: through his presidency
0: mikhail do you buy into this this argument that putin can't leave doesn't want to
1: leave why, why why do you think he's not going to leave I, do, I, I i i do and and of course as, as you already mentioned we've been already at this point into 2008 right uh, uh, he already resolved once this paradox that uh, how you can live without actually leaving. He already <laughs> did did that once. But can he go to that uh, well again? Can he do that again? That's, that's 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 a very good question. Um, uh, let's uh, we can talk about personalities, uh, but uh, let's uh, look at it more sort of uh, structurally. Things got worse since 2008 because the system evolved. It's uh, it's now much more authoritarian, much more terrorist um, um, type of uh, type of government, something that um, actually the type of government that never existed in Russia. No, in this, I,
0: I agree with you there. The, I mean, we have to go back to Stalin to find yes, a Russian yes, the system closest,
1: as centralized the, as this. The, one. Close, the closest would be, yes, Stalin's government. We're talking about the structure of, uh, of power, not about implementation, of course. But of course. still, Yes, but, 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 but still it's different because it's something which was supposed to be uh, 15 years ago which was supposed to look as, as sort of a democracy. Now it's uh, um, uh, a monarchy-type uh, regime built from scratch, right? And that makes it very, very dif- different. And Putin is, uh, is a kind of a pharaoh, a sem- semi-god. Yeah. Or, uh, he turned into a semi-god. From uh, from this arbiter and um, uh, someone who's who looks over uh, conflicts within the elites, he's he moved from that position uh, already. Yes, he decides everything. He might be manipulated by his inner circle, by by the elites, by by his court, uh, but still, it's his call, right? Uh, and it's it's sure sh- it shall continue as uh, as such. So the. Um, the problems, the structural problem about it yeah, that he can't leave because simply you're just giving this, kind of, this enormous power to any other individual is a risk that you can't take. It's just impossible. Mm. Uh, and, and he doesn't want unless, to. It's <laughs> uh, unless it's Medvedev. Unless it's Medvedev. Yes, but it's not. But it, uh, as, as I said, it's not going uh, it, to. In Russian, there is a very good uh, um, proverb about it. Uh, you can't enter the same river twice. Right. Well. Well, we've been uh, in we, that river once, yeah, and yes, uh, yes, we've been in this river before. Probably, he can go for this uh, this option again. We already made a lot of errors about about uh, and misjudgments about Putin. We didn't believe that he he would return after after he left Kremlin because the position in the Kremlin is so powerful that that nothing can be done about. It. Yet he still did. Mm-hmm. But there is one problem that he still. Sh- has to address because um, there are no restrictions. He can do whatever, uh, whatever he wants. He can, uh, he can change the constitution. This is surely doable. Um, He can do whatever he wants. No uh, barriers, no checks and balances. Except that, except for in
0: himself, Putin doesn't like to be seen as some tin pot dictator. I think his pride prevents that. He doesn't want to be seen as Lukashenko or or something like that. He wants to be seen as a respectable leader.
1: Yes yes, and it also and it also goes to his sort of i would say bond with the nation that he tried to build over the, over these years and the understanding that Russia, yes of course Russia has gone uh, a long way down the road as uh, as uh, towards Kazakhstan, for example, but still the idea of uh, irremovable leadership eternal leadership doesn't go here as natural as it does there. It's now, still some something that nation doesn't believe in. The nation. If you ask an average Russian, uh, should uh, Putin step down at some point? He will say no. He will say yes.
0: Well, let's stick with you for a minute here, Mikhail, and talk about this Deng Xiaoping option that kirill brought up because I've always found this to be a very compelling and very elegant way to solve this this problem. I mean, we're talking about the problem of succession here, and this is like it's the Achilles' heel of the Russian system they haven't managed to pull off a real succession yet they've pulled off a bunch of fake successions yeltsin handing off power to putin putin's castling with medvedev but we haven't had a real true succession in the post-soviet period yet um, one elegant solution that was floated back in 2008 and it's being floated again now in fact in the minchenko report one of the other things that really jumped out at me was minchenko wrote that they will probably try to seek some find some post-presidential Position for Putin, something like, and these are his words: a Russian ayatollah, um, which gives kind of echoes of the the, the Iranian supreme leader thing. Now, Iran has regular turnovers of presidents, right? Sometimes very different presidents, but there's always a supreme leader lording over the system. Do you think it's possible to carve out that kind of a role for Putin in in the Russian system?
1: Are you asking me? Yes, yes, uh, yes. I think yes. It's, of course, it's it's possible. I think for as if we. Again, it's too early to uh, to come to any any kind of con- conclusions. But if we're looking from, from, from this moment, uh, this is the most obvious uh, perspective, of course. And um, we can even see how he is preparing for it, at least in terms of uh, what his agenda is at the mo- at the moment. It's very if you if you if you take a look at his uh, pre-election, the election that never has been announced yet, but still he just he
0: ju- he just uh, yesterday said he hasn't decided yet. Once again, once again, yes, that, once again. That's,
1: the, that's the difference between the election here and the election in democracy. It's an election that never ha- is never announced, <laughs> and and everything is e- even much more calmer than it is usual than it usually is. Right, that's what the election is about. Everything everything sh- has to freeze. <laughs> right, <laughs> that, that that's the type of election we now we now have. But again, he shows that he's preparing for his election. His agenda. Uh, Now is very different from what it was six years ago, and uh, I can remind you what what it was. He was constantly fighting a lot of enemies. He was fighting Balotna, He was fighting the 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 concept that uh, that uh, that he uh, he can return back uh, to to the Kremlin because it was not uh, perceived as uh, by by a huge part of the nation as something natural. As we as we remember, we remember his approval rating dropped yes. in twenty twenty eleven when he, when they announced their castling, uh, Right, uh, he also had to fight uh, the external enemy. Uh, now the situation is completely different. There is no one left to fight. Any every opposition is defeated, uh, either inside or uh, or outside, even a conceptual okay. level. There is no alternative to his individual rule. Um, non, none whatsoever um so for him and that's the point he is at right now and that's what he's actually saying with his non-existent campaign Mm -hmm. uh uh, is that now we're taking this final step to complete some kind of post soviet transformation for russia we restored the order finally and we are heading to the future uh this time the time has come to start looking ahead (laughs) hence all these reappointments of of governors recent Recently, which which still go still go on. Hence, um, this focus of younger generation that he shows, uh, starting from early early September. Yeah, and this path is sort of uh, sort of uh, uh, showed to us as, as quite clear. Uh, and in six years, it should be some kind of a stable regime. And of course, with uh, with Putin's role as some kind of ayatollah. Uh, and supreme leader, shows. national leader Supreme Leader, yes, as he shows he's he is a grand he's the granddad of a newborn, developed Russian nation of sorts. Now I got, the, I, I got a caveat yeah. I
0: want to add here because I, I mean when I was I was thinking this is where it was going back in 2011, 2012, and there's a, I have a hypothesis as to why it didn't go that way, because the Russian presidency, that chair, is very, very powerful. And how do you how are you the supreme leader? Whom do you command? It's like Stalin's, oh how many divisions does the Pope have? Well how many divisions does the Russian Ayatollah or Russian national leader or Russian Supreme Leader or whatever whatever title they came up come up with for him. How does he how does he remain in charge when he really doesn't have the levers of power anymore.
2: And that's exactly the problem with this Dan Sharpin option, because the Dan Sharpin option is just an option in Russia would mean an option with somebody who's the president just older and weaker. Um, but who still remains, you know, calling the shots? Um, because what Putin is afraid—why bec- there has now there has not been a succession plan? Because Putin is afraid to delegate that power and to create that succession plan, because those people can backstab him. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he becomes weaker and start, because going to this option would mean elevating somebody to the post to the position that he had um before and that means giving them more power. That
0: means the Siloviki report to them. Yes yeah, what that
2: means. Uh, and Sylviki. And then uh, even if we see that rattling now about we started by the question whether he's a lame duck He will be one hell of a more of a lame duck if he goes that option, because then there are people who are already fighting in the Kremlin and they will be fighting even with more power. So um, so that's why um, some of the noises we've heard is is about, oh, maybe he's uh, grooming some kind of this Medvedev light like or Medvedev-Light's successor, the name of Dumin was floated. Dumin, was floated, um, yeah. Dumin is his former bodyguard right. um, who's, who has no political power. He's just been propped up last year um, as the governor of the Tula region, which is right. close, close to Moscow. Um, he's no one in. And the only person he can report to is uh, his former boss, Putin, whom he was a bodyguard for. If this is um, a new Russian president um, and Putin is a dense then this just doesn't doesn't mean much. Putin will still be a Russian president, just a lot older and weaker. Mm.
0: Now, Mm -hmm. no matter how this works out, this dungshub, no matter what happens here, there is this sense in the elite right now that we are coming... We're entering the last phase of something. It may be a six year phase, it may be a two year phase, whatever it is, but we're entering this phase where there's an endpoint. And as a result, you're starting to see the elite act out, Kirill, you and I have been talking up quite a bit about this off mic. You're seeing all sorts of signs. When Serebrennikov was arrested and Putin's remember Putin's comment said, Duraki, right? These fools. Mm-hmm. That's strongly mm-hmm. suggested, to me at least, unless it was a great job of acting by Putin, that he really didn't agree with this. Um, the, the, the arrest of Alexei Ulyukaev, who I might add is the first sitting minister to be arrested since the Stalin yes. era. Um, this looks a lot like Sechen's intrigue. Um, and it doesn't look it do, it's not entirely clear that Putin is is down with this. I mean, he's reluctant to go after ministers. Just today, you see this alliance between uh, or just this week between between um, Kadir, uh, Ramzan Kadirov and Natalia P- uh, P- Paklonska, Um with this kind of this this kind of I don't know what you want to call it, this ultra conservative mixing Islam and orthodoxy together uh, over the film Matilda. So you're starting to see kind of all these data points that suggest that the elite is starting to try to position itself. And also
2: to to behave... Behave like their own masters, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we see that with Igor Sechin, who was pretty much probably um, uh, a grey cardinal behind the Putin's rule, but now he's growing much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And if those things that you Baron just mentioned, um, some of it um, were, you know, regardless of what Putin said, um, uh, it's very interesting how those we were talking how. Um, there are all sorts of rumors of in Moscow. Uh, there, Moscow is awash with now about this um, different infights between, uh, you know, or within the Kremlin. There is Igor Sechin, who is the, uh, the head of one powerful clan, and then there are so-called, well, so-called liberals. Uh, Technical, yeah, to, yeah. And uh, for instance, uh, Igor Shuvalov, um, the first deputy prime minister, is one of the leaders of that clan. And Sechin and Shuvalov. And come,
0: Ulukayev fell into that clan as well. And Ulukayev,
2: Ulukayev, was one of uh, one of Pretty much Shivalov's people. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting rumor that I've heard recently, um, is that, um, um, uh, that Sechin's former beautiful wife, whom he, um, uh, named a yacht, a luxurious yacht after, apparently or allegedly, um, left Sechin for, uh, for Shivalov's nephew. Um, we don't know if that's true at all, but, you know, I've read it in, in, in many places. If, uh, and, and that is just moving from political to personal. Right. And this is where um, this is going, which is just total infighting with Putin before he acted as an arbiter. And now he's just sidelined because he's a less of a he's a less of a
0: future for those elites. I mean, it's almost ironic because if you remember back when Sergei Ivanov was was fired uh, just over a year ago, the narrative in the Russian media, and I remember Nikolai Petrov had a very good article about this in Vietnamisty, arguing that Putin. This is a sign that Putin is moving away from the Brezhnev style of being the arbiter among the elites, the front man, so to speak, into a more again if I, this word again, with, use it carefully, Stalinesque style of leadership. Mikhail, as you said, without the implementation, but in the st- in, in the in the structure. But in reality, now what we're seeing is it appears. And of course, we are we don't have access to. Ins- That black box. But it appears that Putin is becoming more of a bystander in all these conflicts. In the past, he would step in. Remember, it's
2: still a powerful bystander, very powerful powerful bystander. bystander. Um, uh, However, it's kind of more and more things are just kind of passing by him. Uh, where he would have intervened or would have cast a decisive uh, vote before, which is not happening now. He did not intervene in the Matilda dispute, right. uh, which you mentioned. He did not intervene in this Rabenikov, uh dispute. He did not intervene into Lukaev much. And uh, all we're getting now is a reading points by Putin's man Peskov, Putin's right. press secretary. That's where we are getting the Kremlin's point of view. And in many cases, that um, those reading lines are... We are not aware of. This is not our sphere of expertise. We cannot comment. Right. This is not the up to us, us to say. The courts will do their say. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean and if you remember back to the Siliviki Wars of 2007, when he he stepped in in a very big and very decisive way, and there was absolutely no doubt at that point who was in charge. Mikhail, what? How do these? How do these emerging clan battles look to you from Moscow?
1: Uh, I. 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 I I have to say I wouldn't exaggerate. I of course understand what you're what, what you're both talking about. And yes, it looks like he becoming more a bystander than he was before, which is natural. He gets tired of all of all this uh, um ruling ruling life. But isn't right? that the source of his uh, power? If he doesn't have that, what does he have? Uh, it he still has uh has the power. Uh I think. You, 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 I can't imagine uh, Urukaev being arrested without, uh, without his direct san- sanction or even order, probably sanction. Uh, you can't imagine uh, uh, the detain- detainment of Serebrenica for his house arrest. Then how do you the explain rest-
0: the Duraki comment? <laughs> Cause that 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 kind of shocked. Duroviky
1: referred referred to the search in the theater that they um, that they um, they went for. Uh, so you're Duraki, saying so
0: publicly searching. And his...
1: and and he and we know that Putin can be hypocritical. We know mm-hmm. that. Yes. Sir, uh, we know that, that he can say that's his uh, that's his background. That's how he sort of uh, um, works. That he how he implements his control over things. He, you never know what he really thinks and what actions are behind what he sa- actually says. Uh, so uh, yes, of course, within his circle, there is always a fight as, 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 as everywhere. And it's very, and, 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 it's, and it's normal. Court is always fighting within, within itself. And if someone grows too, or there is an impression that someone grows, too, starting growing too powerful as Seichen, for example, there is the, the, this desire to push him down. Uh, from, from this position, and Putin is supervising this this fight for sure. But it doesn't mean that his position it has uh, uh, severely changed from what it was uh, before. He's still in charge. He's still in control. At least that's what I believe in. This is awesome. We're having disagreement on my podcast.
0: I kind of like that, because t- too often we all, m- me and my guests uh, tend to tend agree.
1: Yes, and if we look at, the, at these arrests... Of uh, last month, starting with uh, with Duleyev, the then we 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 have this uh, this court fight, um, the Yevtushenko case, right? Uh, we uh, we have uh, we have uh, the European University case, for example. Um, well, this is. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Mikhail, yeah.
0: because I was actually talking to an old colleague who works at the European University when I was in Riga this week. I mean, Putin has personally intervened in that case, saying that the the, the European University of Saint Petersburg should have its license renewed, and is its license is still not if that renewed. Would
1: be, if he would be really interested in in this, it would never happen, right? Would he put uh, his signature
0: on a piece of paper if he wasn't interested?
1: Um. I don't know. Uh, what, I, what, what I know, that in every area, uh, every every the, all of these cases, they're all different and all separated, of course, one from each other. But but if you take a look at them together, we see that in every area, well, in media, a lot of things also happen. Uh, art scene, Serebrenikov, business, Yevtushenko, uh, bureaucracy, Ulyukayev. You see that there are new sort of... Uh, um, barriers set for the elite. And mm. That's, of course, uh, the, um, the implementation of his control. He might be probably not agreeing with Sechin uh, on Lyukaev's case now, or he might be totally agreeing on it, but he uses this case still. Whatever will be, the outcome. See, I I see the barriers
0: being loosened, Mikhail. That's what that's what I see now. Like, of course, again, we don't see inside that black box. And I, one of the things I always try to stress, as much as we like to say, like we t- talk, like we know it's actually going on, there has to be at some degree of epistemological modesty when, when, when looking inside the of Kremlin. Of course, of course. But of course, of I mean, course, when I see when, yeah. when I see some data point, like if I see Sechin removed as CEO, as because Setchin is accumulating a lot of power right now. He's he, he's he's pretty much got Bosch Neft. He's going after Totneft. Um, he's 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 accumulating power. He got a, if we believe the conventional wisdom on this, he got a sitting minister arrested for the first time since Stalin. That's power. And when I see when I see Sechin's wings get clipped. Then that's a data point. I'll say, okay, Putin's reasserting himself. But until then,
2: I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. What do you? What do you? Yeah, it's it's the same as uh, Mikhail just said that um, Putin's Putin's role in the arbiter was okay. If somebody gets too powerful, then they're getting taken down. I don't see that happening. No, I don't see. I don't, I don't see either. that happening.
0: The last time I saw that happen was with Ivanov. That was the la- That was. The, but that was. That was a year ago. That was more than a year ago. So I. 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 And another. Th- I mean. One of the things, one of the working hypotheses I've been having, kind of carrying this, this line of logic along, is when we get to these periods that are transitions, even if it's, cl- I mean, very close to the end, like 1998, 99, a perceived end like 2007, 2008, or a disputed end like 2011, 2012, we begin to see instability in the elite. I mean, I remember being in Moscow in, in, in 99, and I mean, I fully expected war to break out on Tverskaya Ulitsa between the mayor's office and the Kremlin. If you remember, the, the you know the, the clans that were fighting then—the the Primakov-Lushkov group were were fighting against the Berezovsky group and the in the Yeltsin family. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, we had the the Seliviki War, and it was a war. People died. I mean, there were there were killings in that war. 2011, 2012, Of course, we had the dispute over the castling, the elite splitting Bolotnaya, which part of the elite sympathized with, quite frankly. So every time. There is this, and again, this points back to this Achilles heel of succession as the Achilles heel of this regime. We run into a period of elite infighting, infighting and instability. Do you do you think we're about to see how how how, how nasty is this about to get?
2: I, I don't think I don't think it will get nasty at this point because nobody's. Uh, there is a consensus that Putin will win the right. twenty twenty eighteen election, and this uh, uh, so this staves off the question of succession um, uh, for some point. But there is a growing our knees, as I see, as that there is no a clear succession plan. Right. And then people start to um, to pull this issue by themselves. You know, oh, maybe we can advance,
0: the, you know, maybe we can push the envelope. Yeah, no, this is this is one of the things I always come back to this, um, how Russia and Ukraine are different. They're like really separated at birth, because I remember being in Kiev in the summer of 94 and Ukraine had an election, boring election. Really, (laughs) except the result was historic because something amazing happened for the first time in the post-Soviet space. uh, Even the Baltics hadn't done this yet. A president lost an election and then stepped aside and let a successor came, come over. And every election since then has been competitive. And Ukraine has not had a problem with success. They have a lot of other problems, but they've not had a problem with succession. They have elections that people choose and they have a new president. It's, yeah, it's a fight among the oligarchs and clans. But still, at the end of the day, the election decides it. No big crisis whenever there's a succession. Russia hasn't gone this way. Russia had a similar crisis to Ukraine, 93, 94, a dispute between the president and the parliament. And it was solved with tanks. Um, and this kind of a set the the stage um and that's a good note mikhail any last words before we shift from the elite to uh, to other things
1: I, I, I just yes i just wanted to point out that i don't uh see any specific danger from inside from from inside his inner circle uh for putin at the, at the moment though things might change if uh they change um seriously economically mm-hmm. if oil drops back to to 30 dollars Uh, 20 or even or, or 25 then we'll see the real fight then it will get probably get nasty but not at this point Okay, and on that
0: note, we'll shift gears, and we will shift gears to some of these topics when we shift from the elite to the street. In a few moments, we'll continue our discussion and shift from the elite to the streets and look at Alexei Navalny's plans to troll Putin on his birthday. I'd like to remind you you're listening to the Power Vertical podcast. My name is Brian Whitmore, author of the Power Vertical blog here at RFRL. Joining me in the, here in the studio is veteran journalist and Kremlin watcher Kadil Suhotsky, executive editor of RFRL's Russian language television program, Current Time, and joining us on the Skype line from Moscow is Mikhail Fishman, political analyst and anchor at Dosh TV. I'd also like to remind you, you can subscribe to the Power Vertical podcast on iTunes. You can read the Power Vertical blog and watch the Daily Vertical at RFURL.org, and you can follow us on the Twitter at Power Vertical.
1: Алексей Навальный сегодня объявил о новой всероссийской акте. ...политик призвал сторонников выйти на митинги 7
2: октября. ...акции запланированы в десятках городов России, включая Москву и Санкт-Петербург. В некоторых Это случаев, такой власти...
0: uh,
1: подарок на путинский юбилей.
0: So a Moscow court this week jailed opposition leader and anti-corruption crusader Alexei Navalny for 20 days. The move was widely seen as an effort to prevent Navalny from organizing protests on October 7th in St. Petersburg to coincide with Vladimir Putin's 65th birthday. Navalny responded by calling his supporters to take to the streets on October 7th, not just in St. Petersburg, but across Russia to demand competitive elections in March. He also compared Putin to a turnip in that uh, call to uh, to the streets. And called him old man. And called him an old man. <laughs> Kirill, what, what do you expect this weekend? Because we seem to be gearing up for a confrontation here.
2: Yeah, so it's uh, it's another wave of protests. Since June, we saw two waves of protests um, on March 26th and June 12th. So this is uh, another one. Um, the, we will see protests uh, in dozen cities across um, Russia from Moscow to Vladivostok. Um, the biggest one seems to be in St. Petersburg um, where Navalny's campaign uh, wanted to... Uh, hold a rally uh, at Marcevopole, one of public uh, spaces in St. Petersburg. Um, uh, That was banned. Navalny's campaign disputes, that was banned. And I understand
0: Marcevopole is suddenly under reconstruction. It is. We've seen (laughs) seen
2: some barriers erected uh, this morning. Um, And uh, now he's jailed, uh, so he can't be there. His campaign's chief is jailed uh, for 20 days as well, um, while his wife is uh, just about to give birth to um, the, uh, the new kid. So the, um, we may expect some violence and brutality because um, the police and law enforcement... Um Uh, will want to show Putin that they are strong on his birthday. Uh, There will be also a protest in Moscow where Navalny called on his supporters to come to Tverskaya Street um, to do whatever they want to do. If you want, sing. If you want, lay down. If you want, walk. If you want, don't walk. Um, So pretty much calling for civil disobedience. Um, I don't think it will be um, large protests. And we see numbers dwindling, Mm -hmm. actually. Uh, the March protests were not in the scale seen during the Bolotnaya protests. Um, the June protests were smaller than the March protests. Although they were across
0: Russia. And yeah, that but was they were across Russia, and
2: that was significant. So uh, now, but I think the response to those protests is becoming more violent, and mm-hmm. this is a significant significant issue. So um, I was asking some other people, you know, we're all preparing to cover those protests on Saturday, uh, and the general consensus is that um, the protests in St. Petersburg, uh, which will happen um, uh, after sunset, um, will be very short, very brutal, and very dark.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you can all watch those protests on Current Time. Yeah, uh,
2: we will be we will be doing doing
0: www.currenttime.tv and at Dosh TV as well. I, I have to be fair to Mikhail, well, even though so, I'm promoting sorry. our own Mikhail. What do you expect to see tomorrow, well, or Saturday?
1: Uh, well, now we're moving from debate to, to some kind of consensus, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> finally, yes, yes, of course, the rallies of March 26 were a surprise. Uh, for sure, for everyone, including the Kremlin. And Navalny uh-huh. had the
0: element of surprise, which really and worked to yes, his advantage yes, that time. Y-
1: yes, yes. And, but since then, yes, as has been already, already sent, uh, the, the actions have been dwindling, and I don't think that looking from the Kremlin's perspective now, the situation is uh, considered dangerous. Um, it, it's hard to maintain the momentum for that, uh, for that long. And I look at his arrest and uh, and Volkov's arrest, his uh, his campaign chief, um, as some kind of preventive action. Of course, uh, yeah, b- b- because they were really rallying across across the country. It w- it was possible that they w- would be gaining their momentum. Probably, it was starting co- to grow. So what they did, they broke it, uh, and that's that's what they did. That's the that's the idea behind behind this arrest. You just basically lock off. Uh, your act, the these uh, the the actor from 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 the game you just shut him down for 20 years. 20 uh, 20 days he will be he will be silent. Um, so uh, so the 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 point is that if authorities were really unprepared for March 26, uh, which they most probably were, now they are prepared and they think they have the situation under control. And you take into account that um that putin's campaign no, um, non-existent campaign is still there and we have already eight uh, regional governors replaced yes. uh during last, last couple of weeks that's a huge uh, amount actually of of governors never happened on this scale before that uh, gives to uh, the public sense the sense of change because imagine you live under this governor like I don't know in in Samara under this Merkushkin, under Merkushkin for 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 a few years and you're so tired of him and now he's replaced with some kind of young uh, young young bureaucrat and you expect that things um, you you see that things are sort of changing which also kills the uh, um, the. The idea of uh, moving, of, of supporting their position if, if, it, if it if it if it if it would be there. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit, um,
0: because I would argue and I don't I'm not, I, I tend to agree with both of you that tomorrow is not going to be a repeat of March 26th, um, although I would be a bit careful in that prediction because Navalny surprised us surprises before Navalny's network is bigger than Navalny, the man, and bigger than Volkov, his his campaign manager. Um, he, there, there There's a, a, a network in, in cities across Russia, and we're talking about young people who tend to be a little more fearless, as they showed before, coming this out on true. the streets. I mean, people came out in Dagestan on, on in the March and the June. You know how, what kind of courage it takes or youthful indiscretion or whatever you want to call to come out into the streets in Dagestan, but they did. So I'm wondering... Navalny's relying on this younger generation this generation that has known no other leader but Putin that is tired of this toy and wants a new Xbox if you put it in in, in youth terms and they they've they've been committed in the past so I'm wondering if we might see a little bit more tomorrow than we expect what do you think Um, We may, maybe tomorrow,
2: maybe at some point um, down the road during this campaign, um, but there is this general new face and new voice of Russian young people. Um, There was one interview with one uh, young woman uh, at the June 12th protest that especially... Um, you know, sticking at the back of my mind where she said, OK, what will they do to me? They can jail me for 20 days. Fine. I'm, you know, 20 days of jail is much better than 10 years more of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so and this and this attitude where they're they're not afraid of uh, uh, of being jailed or of um, though maybe they did not. Face a really harsh response yet, um, right. so uh, so that's also we'll see we'll see how that happens, uh, and uh, and I think that what um, the uh, Kremlin or law enforcement will want to do is kind of to nip it in the bud, right. um, and that's why we're all um, uh, we're all kind of afraid that um, uh, tomorrow's response, especially in Saint Petersburg, can be brutal. Um, but it's it's very interesting that Navalny is becoming or has become. Uh, rather has become a a kind of the face of the anti-Putin movement. Uh, So whatever the opposition and the liberals and others can say, but he has become that face. And it's very interesting. We talked about the succession plan. We talk about the elections in Ukraine. Yes, there will be an election, but there is a clear candidate who challenges the status quo. Uh, and uh, it is dangerous uh, for, for the Kremlin. It's very interesting, you know, it's been mentioned so many times that uh, Putin is almost to the point of being superstitious. He never, ever, ever mentions Navalny by I name.
0: Know. He still hasn't mentioned him by name. Well, this, uh, you actually segue to exactly where I want to go. It's something we've discussed in this podcast in the past with other guests. I'd definitely like to hear both of your perspectives on it. Navalny's long-term game. I mean, I think the man's not a fool. He knows he's not going to win the elections in March. In fact, he knows he's not even going to be allowed to run in the elections in March, and I don't think that's Navalny's game. Navalny's playing a longer game in a longer election, if you will. Um, He's positioning himself. In Russia, you don't seize power. You pick it up when somebody else drops it on the floor, and I think Navalny's positioning himself to be able to pick up power when this regime, sooner or later, at some point, whenever that may be, drops it on the floor. I've also long suspected that Navalny has support on the inside. I don't think you get the kind of material he gets for his anti-corruption reports without support on the inside. I don't think you remain a free man given as defiant or even alive as defiant as he has been without yeah, so, having support in the Sergei,
2: inside. Sergey Udaltsov spent years in yeah, uh, in, exactly. uh, in prison um, and, uh, and just recently um, um, got released. So, obviously, you know, there is a talk that um, there are people within the power, within the elites who are hedging the bets if yeah, you will. This is this is my hypothesis so, as well. So yeah. this is kind of hedging the bets that what if suddenly things turn and uh, things go per shaped we want to have that insurance and then yes and then we 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 supported we supported that guy but it's kind of he may have a plan but sometimes history you know you're swept by history, I remember um, Kyrgyzstan. Um, there was this guy Akayev who was president for you know how many years, and uh, he seemed irreplaceable. Um, and there was a you know a very ordinary presidential election. Uh, I, I don't remember 2005 maybe, yeah. um, and uh, and nobody believed. And then there was a wave of anti-Akayev sentiment, uh, and there was an opposition. and uh, And I remember I spoke to that leader of opposition Roszultonbai for five days before that election, and I asked. what do you think you know why are you fighting if you 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 cannot Mm. you cannot um, win over that guy and he said yeah we cannot win we understand but we need to fight maybe for some point in the future five days later um, she won Mm. Um, so they were even not prepared for this so Navalny is preparing she oh he has a long game but at the same time I think he will be prepared if something goes unexpectedly, uh, then he has some kind of a structure, network of support where he can pick up from.
0: He's the only one in Russia who's walking along that path. And I agree with you, Kirill. I do think, as you said, the Kremlin has many towers and some of those towers want somebody on the other side of the ramparts. That they could talk to if this thing if this if this thing goes bad, um, could you, uh, Mikhail. What are your thoughts on this? What's what's I, Navalny's game, and, and do you think he has support on I, the inside?
1: I, I think yes. This is quite uh, quite 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 simple, and uh, uh, yes, not 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 that difficult because uh, uh, no one knows uh, what will happen next. Uh, Putin will leave at some point. He will either leave or die or whatever. He's he turns sixty five tomorrow, uh, so. Um, and Navalny is only 41. Yes, he's older than Macron, but he's still quite young. <laughs> um, he's, he's still quite young. So he has future and he works for this future. This is quite, uh, quite obvious. We be, and it's even more obvious because no one knows what this future looks like, this after Putin era, what it is. Uh, there is no, no conception, no concept of it. Whatsoever, no vision at all. But I would be, uh, I would get back for a second for uh, um, and drop my two cents about uh, what's going to happen with the Israelis and uh, why I will be really very surprised if we see something bigger than we're thinking we might we might see um, because it, it's it's of course it's very um, correct to assume that his 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 base younger generation will show up um again and yes they are fearless they don't have this they don't bear this trauma of defeat at Balotne because they simply were not present at Balotne mm-hmm. at that uh, at that time they don't know what 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 defeat means because my generation we do we remember Balotne very well uh and for us this message actually um, because the arrest of of the the leader sends a message that the response will be brutal could be harsh and uh, which will probably um uh probably force to stay at home a lot of a, lo- a lot of people a lot of crowds but still these youngsters they will show up but again starting from march 26 this crowd is not growing no, no it's just it's- simply it's simply not growing it's uh, it's a limited amount of uh, students, uh, young, y- y- young people, those who really follow Navalny or just follow his cause or follow him on YouTube, uh, across the whole country, yes, he, he, he has built this network, but it's not gr- growing since then. We haven't seen this. So we will be really, I will be really very surprised if something extra um, uh, comes up. Tomorrow, probably. I mean, I'm not ruling it
0: out, but, but, but in general, in this long game that Navalny's playing, where, where, in which he may or may not be getting assistance from one of the Kremlin, one or more of the Kremlin's towers, I think we do see potential for this phenomenon to grow. Navalny's basically broken the Kremlin's media monopoly. He created, he's created his own media. He doesn't need to be on Pierre Vicanal. Because he's got Navalny TV on YouTube and people are watching it in in very large numbers. Um, Another thing I would also add is that Navalny is tapping into something that we've become all too familiar with in the West, this anti-establishment phenomenon that's resulted in a lot of things like Brexit, like the Trump phenomenon in the United States, like the Le Pen phenomenon in in France, like the AFD phenomenon in Germany. Not that Navalny is ideologically the same as any of those, but all of those have tapped into the anti-establishment mood. I would even argue that Macron, who is very different ideologically from any of those and from Navalny, tapped into that by magically transforming himself into an outsider, even though he was basically an <laughs> In in government before, Navalny is tapping into this same thing in Russia. Um, he's tapping into it, and, and, and this could this could be kind of a, a, a something that could really power him down the road be, you...
2: because um the anti-establishment mood here may be stronger if properly if properly developed because um the establishment here or you know it's uh what 19 years of one man right um and uh why presidents do change and you know in the united states you see both political parties you know changing bill one, one was, each other
0: bill clinton was president yeah
2: when when, when yeah came it's it's uh uh it's because uh people do get tired of one political force they want to give it give a chance to another one then they come back to some other you know it's it's a constant change um when there is no change then
0: um this uh feeling of tiredness uh only grows now let's as we we're, we're bumping up towards the end here to pull the, I like to try to do this at the end of the podcast pull the two themes the above the fold and the below the fold theme together if we see this Increasing instability in the elite. Now, granted, they're looking six years down the road, but I think it's only going to grow throughout those six years. Clan, clan battles. You have an economy that's, let's face it, is not getting any better. Um, even and if the, oil prices don't tank,
2: more. and the demographics are getting only worse. And the de-
0: demographics are getting only worse. You have a charismatic leader on the street that's tapping into this. Let's pull these through two things together: the street and the elite. Kirill, your thoughts as we. Towards the
2: end, um, I mean, Putin. You know, Putin is still a part of that equation: uh, elite in the street. And then there is Putin somewhere. Um, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very interesting to what extent Putin is is a part of this equation. Um, so, uh, so it's elite and street and Putin, um, who's still who's and still, Navalny, I would and, say, and, and Navalny. So, so, so who's still is still there? It will be very interesting to see if um, they will allow Navalny to uh, run for president. I don't
0: think they're gonna, going to. Although I'm willing. to to be surprised, but I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters because Navalny's going to run for president, whether they want him to or not, and whether or not he's on the ballot. I mean, can you, and this is one of my big questions going forward into 2018 is how they're going to handle this. Cause I think he's going to keep, he's got campaign offices all over the country and he's going to keep campaigning and he's going to be making fun of the, what the fake election, Putin running against Zuganov for the thousandth time. You know, he's going to be joking about this. Can you imagine the videos? I mean, think about it. He's going to be running a campaign saying, I'm the only real candidate. This is a fake election. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to do that, but that's, that's what I could certainly see him doing. And this is going to create a problem for the Kremlin because elections in Russia are important. They're not important because they express the will of the people. They're important because they're re- legitimization rituals. The regime has to put on a good show and tell a good story to leg- re legitimize the regime. And if you've got Navalny out there throwing spitballs um, and, and drawing decent crowds and getting people watching his videos, making fun of it, running a parallel campaign, then the Kremlin's going to have a problem in this ritual. Mikhail, last word to you before we wrap it up for the week.
1: Uh, yes. Yes. I, I would still argue that I think the Kremlin, at least looking from the Kremlin's perspective, they think they have it under control, <laughs> and they are prepared, and they, and, and they are prepared. And Navalny can run his uh, his campaign for whatever, for um, however he likes, but it still doesn't affect the the outcome. The outcome is uh, is uh, is decided, and we all know it very very well. So I don't know. Th- I don't think that Putin even even. Um, even bothers to think about it as, mm. as some kind of problem. I would be really surprised if he if he if he if he would. And what's more, yes, Navalny is a pain in uh, is is pain for at least his managers. Uh, something to do, something to to deal with. The phenomena, of course, uh, street protests, everything. But still, Navalny, I would say, he does not break. Uh, this idea now shared by the majority of Russian uh, nation that there is no alternative to current uh, state of affairs. It, it just doesn't. He doesn't present himself as a real alternative. Yes, he uh, breaks down with his anti-corruption uh, agenda, which is very, of course, powerful because every everyone knows that everyone is corrupt. Up. Uh, up there but still it's not the alternative um but it doesn't mean that it always will remain as it is now because we know things in russia change very fast in like every half year you live in in some kind of a different uh <laughs> dif- different uh country different dif- dif- different state it of course depends on the economy and the, you, i can imagine that in a couple of years in three years uh the new sort of uh uh, state of uh, mindset will start will start growing for example with them, when these new governors uh after two years of the uh, after after replacement people will see that nothing really changes mm-hmm. and it's economy is still stagnating they still live as bad as they live li- lived live before uh it's it's probably yes it will erode and
0: and we will see where things will go from there. I can't help but re- recall Victor Chernomirton's immortal words. And that's all we have time for today. I'd like to remind you, you have been listening to the Power Vertical podcast. My name is Brian Whitmore, author of the Power Vertical blog here at RFRL. Joining me here in the studio has been veteran journalist and Kremlin watcher Kirill Suhutsky, executive editor for RFRL's Russian language television program, Current Time, which you can watch at www.currenttime.tv. And joining us on the Skype line from Moscow has been Mikhail Fishman, political analyst and anchor at Dosh TV. Thank you both for an enlightening discussion. Thank you, Brian. Thank uh, you for having me. uh, Thank you for coming. I'd also like to thank Jan Kaiser, our producer, filling in for the usually indispensable Tanya Koncheva. I'd also like to thank my indispensable colleague, Pavel Butorin, managing editor of RFRL's Russian language program, Current Time. I'd also like to remind you, you can subscribe to the Power Vertical podcast on iTunes. You can read the Power Vertical blog and watch the Daily Vertical at RFRL.org. And you can follow us on the Twitter at Power Vertical. And now, as always, I leave you with the ambient sounds of my favorite socially conscious Russian rapper, Noise MC.